Hi, it's Philippa here from Joint Smokers Barbecue. You're listening to Barbecue Base. Welcome to Barbecue Base, the podcast for those that love a little low and slow in their lives. And with smoke on the coast last weekend, I am definitely feeling a little lower and a little slower still. It's taking me a few days longer to get over the comps these days. And as we'll chat about later, this one was a beauty. And as always, I'm joined by my trusty co-host, a man so steeped in barbecue goodness that if you stuck a needle in him and drained the juices, you could bottle it, call it Olio Dinolio, and sell it for nineteen ninety-five <laughs> a bottle. He's the man that makes cows, pigs, chicken, and sheep nervous. Barbecue Jesus himself, Noel Haspadakis, how are you, Noel? I'm well, mate. I'm actually still dusty for the weekend, would you believe? And it's Thursday. So yeah, I, I was at Smack uh, on the Coast as well, as you know. I could absolutely believe that, both from the fact that I know I know what time some naughty people stayed up till on the Friday mm. night slash very early Saturday morning or very late Saturday morning, depending which way you want to look at it. And I'm still tired as well. Mm. There's no, mate, no no question. It was full send on Friday night. Um, you know, we always say we're going to take it easy. Obviously, I wasn't competing. I was a, let's call, it, let's call me a social member of um, Smoked Out West. And um, yeah, I was very social. <laughs> yeah, I think I think those boys um I think they learned a lot about competition life that weekend and a few people who should know better. They should know better. I mean, I'm looking I'm not going to name names Michael and Stephen Cook at all because <laughs> I mean, they didn't tell us on this show how they'd got the partying under control and I'm not sure was it 5 or 6 a.m. they probably uh turned in as well so um, yeah yeah no no, i left i I actually left steve behind in the smoked out west tent um he was still going strong so um yeah and as always as always they just smash it out of the park don't they but we'll come back to that later i guess uh but a fabulous weekend but um Mm. hey look thanks as always to our friends at jack daniels for the lovely equipment partnership we do value um your support and look, I am particularly excited, or is excited the right word? It might not be the right word, but I'm particularly looking forward to today's show. It's a um, really, really important topic that we're going to be diving into. We're still going to have a heap of barbecue in there, but we're, we're going somewhere a little bit different. Um, and we're very fortunate because we're being joined later by Luke Sini, head of the NZBA, and Rob Dunn, who's the country manager for Movember, the men's health charity, which is especially um, dear to a lot of us uh, and deals with male mental health and suicide and depression, which is a big issue for us in our country. And one, our community is actually, you know, goes a long way to, to helping out, I think. Um, but look, before we get to, the, to, to those guys, let's, uh, a few things to update everybody on, not least uh, what we've been cooking. So, you know, Noel, what's been, what's been hitting the grills for you? Um, well, since we last spoke, I cooked a swift brisket. So obviously there's a new briskets that have hit New Zealand and, and that came out pretty well. Um, I think, you know, most people will agree it's a, a sort of home brisket, you know, or a, a good catering brisket. I don't think it's a top quality comp brisket, but it's absolutely a place in the market for it. Um, 
done a pork butt actually a couple of days ago. Um, haven't done one of those for ages. Um, I know you guys cook them all the time, but I haven't cooked one for a very long time, and that came out really well. Did a smoked tomato lamb shoulder, so I did a um, a spinach wrap with um, smoked lamb, whipped feta, pomegranate, and rocket. Um, that sounds, so a little that bit, sounds you know, awesome. Yeah, no, it was really good actually. I mean, um, you know, it's just one of those that's a bit of a crowd pleaser, really. I did it at the lamb class and it went down pretty well. So I thought, oh, I'll just give that another run, you know. And um, what else have I done? Um, lots of chicken. Mm. Yeah, my, my last, obviously, the last week or so of my life has been dominated by competition. But um, actually, just tonight, we, uh, the great thing about, one of the great things about competitions, lots of great things, but one of them is that I normally come home with a heap of vac packed up leftovers, which make, you know, really easy dinners. And tonight I pulled out from, I believe it was from Tauranga. So it was about ooh, two months ago when we competed at Tauranga, we got third place pork and I had some leftover pulled pork and money muscle that was in a bag that came out of the freezer tonight and it got turned into like a, um, spicy pulled pork sort of Texan hash with some cubed up fried potatoes, you know, tin of tomatoes, some sweet corn peas, onion, nice. garlic, etc., and a bit of barbecue sauce and a little bit of ghost pepper hot sauce on mine, not on the kids because they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have appreciated me for chucking the old <laughs> ghost pepper sauce on You're getting those, into the sauces, aren't you? You are getting I into do the like old them, heat, yeah. aren't you? I do, I do like them, but... Um, Obviously, as I said, most of my life has been comp for the last week, and that really kind of takes us straight into the the biggest event in New Zealand barbecue of the last week, which was Smoke on the Coast up at the beautiful Whangatiao Holiday Park, run by very well by Derek Paul. That competition, yeah, you know, I think we can agree that it was a a very well run event and a really enjoyable one again. Just amazing. Yeah, back in its normal slot because you might, you know, regular listeners might be thinking, well, hold on, you're only just in Whangatiao doing uh, Smoke on the Coast in December and you'd be right because that one got delayed six months from uh, COVID last year. But this is back in its actual spot. So unfortunately, as much as I'd like to go to Smoke on the Coast every three or four months, uh, <laughs> it'd be great. But um, we are now 12 months away to the next. But it was a really busy, really busy Smoke on the Coast, actually. Um, lots to lots to go through here. And then let's start with the first thing that was up. Um the always popular Kids Q competition, which is just fantastic to see. Um, 20 kids this time. Um, and actually they were all between the ages of 9 and 15. There was only two who were above the age of 12, um, which is cool. Um, so they all piled in together. And huge congratulations, although, you know, was it a fix? His dad is on the SCA you know, bored, you know, we've got a, oh. but uh, I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, Lathan Manning, who I believe Lathan is what, nine, I think. He is and nine. He took out, so he took out the, the, the top prize and they were doing burgers. So they had the mints supplied and everything else was, um, yeah, up to them. But well done, Lathan. That was an awesome little result. And I know your dad was very, very proud. Yeah, he was. I mean, it was quite a nice moment, wasn't it, when he gave him a cuddle afterwards when, after a presentation. But, um, yeah, look, I, I made a – I guess I made an effort to sort of walk around to all the different tables on the kids' queue. And, um, mate, it was pretty impressive to see what they were doing, you know. I mean, they've actually got some skills. And um, one that stood out for me was um, Mr. Kovic's son. Um, you know, I mean, that guy cooks smash burgers and fried chicken all the time. But 
he put together a great burger. I'd actually post the picture on the page, but it was it was sensational. You know, that could have well been turned in by one of us. Um, so yeah, the standard was again really high, and um, it's a bit good. I wasn't judging it to be honest with you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like the judging would have had a good time at that. Um, but yeah, well done to all the kids, and it was brilliant to see everybody do it. A great field, twenty kids, and all of them were winners. And and actually, special mention to uh, our good friend. Ken Van Mackelberg from Barbecue Boy or Barbecue Bay of Islands. Uh, I'm not quite sure which way he likes it pronounced, but um, he puts a heap of effort into those kids' competitions and he provided a little pack to every single kid that had a burger press, a large spatula and a kind of metal scraper so that they had all the tools that they needed for to, to make their burgers. So, yeah, and he does all that. He didn't have to do that. Um, and... Thanks, huge thanks to, um, now what was his name? Was it Paul Fenton, Mike Fenton, um, who actually donated a, we'll, we'll find out, we'll put that on the page, but he donated the Bronco to the winner. So he paid for he paid for a Bronco. So he's in one of the NZBA teams and he just really wanted to help out and he donated a, a Bronco for the winning child. So that's amazing mm. as well. So well done to those guys. Um, and then we moved on to SCA and I think we should just rename SCA the Michael Cook experience um, because, <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, he dominated the SCA, didn't he? So Michael Cook picked yeah. up first place steak and first place appetizers. Um, and I think he got third for burgers, right? Was it third or second? Yeah, he One did. He got third for burgers. But I mean, look, that's you know, pretty close to a clean sweep really, isn't it? I mean, very rarely do people win, you know, one category, let alone two in, in the same comp. And um, yeah, look, they had a great weekend, I think, all round, um, you know, in NZBA and SCA. So yeah, well done, guys. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he continues his kind of dominance of SCA. Um, I'm not sure how anybody's going to go up against him this year. He's just a, a machine, that guy in SCA. So well done, Mike. Um, and and actually a little well done to Troy Bilbra from um, the South Island and Dan and Christchurch there who uh, picked up first in burgers, which again, a little bit of a fit. He does own a burger restaurant, so you'd expect the boy to know how to cook a burger. But the burger he put in sounded absolutely insane. I almost had a heart attack just listening to what went into that burger. Well, I mean... I think the thing about his burger is it had something in it to please everyone, right? Because it basically had yeah. every protein in it. Yeah. So. But I mean, look. it had uh, it had like what a burger patty, pork belly burnt ends. Did it have chicken in it? Fried I think chicken. It had chicken in it. Had, it, mate, it had everything and Bacon. all the sauces. And look, you know, I am absolutely fortunate enough to have eaten at both of his burger joints in Christchurch, right? So one is Bacon Brothers, and the other one is Shaka Brothers. And, you know, every time I can't go past, there's a burger called the Man Mountain. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but it is, it probably sits about 20 centimeters high and it's just insane, you know? So if you haven't tried them, <laughs> the guy's winning burger comps and he owns two burger joints. So if you're ever in Christchurch, get down there. I highly recommend them. And look, he's a thoroughly, thoroughly nice guy. And in a few weeks, we'll bring you the interview that we recorded with uh, Troy at Smoke on the Coast. Uh, so you'll get, be able to get to know him a little bit better, but it's a, it's one to have a look out for. Uh, and then that took us on to the NZBA. So the big boys came, rolled in at that point and um, started doing our full cooks. So 
huge congratulations to massive friends of the show, Matt Melville, Tracy Melville, and Ryan Lovegrove, who better known as Rum and Q for taking out their second GC of the year in only three competitions. They've won two of them. So they are sitting very pretty right now. Can we just stay on them for a moment? I mean, we all know that they had a tough <clears throat> front end of last season. You know, it was uh, the wins were hard to come by, you know, so it's actually nice to see them back at the top. And I think we also have to recognize that they've had two GCs this year. So in terms of their the sort of rest of the year for them, the way the average point system works, you know, it puts them in a really good position to, you know, possibly take out the series when I know it's early, but, um, you know, we're definitely rooting for those guys. Yeah, let's let's keep it that it is early, but they are in a very nice position. Very, like very good position. position. 100%. Uh, so RGC, Mr. Consistent, Mr. How the hell do you beat him most of the time? Brendan Reismer, also another absolute friend of the show. But uh, RGC for him and the Smoking Meat House, well done, Brendan. That was, uh, yeah, again, just shows how consistent he is because he did pick up uh, first in Lamb. He did. Um, and maybe what am I thinking? There was a, he picked up another I think trophy it was too. Third in ribs, maybe in ribs. Yeah, that sounds I about think it right. It was third in ribs. Yeah, but mate, I mean, look, every every competition that guy does is he, he wins a trophy, right? So I mean, the consistency is incredible. And again, you know, every time I speak to him, such a nice guy, super humble. You know, if you're new to barbecue and you want to have a chat with someone, he'll give you everything in the kitchen sink. You know, so make an effort to go go and say hello to Brendan. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, third place was Cook Cartel, so we mentioned they had a great they had a great weekend. Fourth place, really great to see these guys back in the um, back up in the top ten was the Joint Smokers, the best shirts yeah. in barbecue those guys so have. Um, so they're they're one of the nicest teams out there, and they're excellent as well. And they had a really great, obviously great cook that weekend. So well done to those guys. Um, and and obviously, if you listen to our show at the beginning of the year with Steve and Cam from the Joint Smokers, you'll know that. Um, and I'll put I'll try and put a picture up later. But you'll know that Steve is referred to as Electric Steve, and he had a little uh, he had a little uh, gift T-shirt for me this week with a little slogan on it. So I'll pop that up Excellent. on the page later so you can have a nice. look. Nice. Um, I didn't get one. Cheers, mate. <laughs> no, you just said two. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Wingless Angel uh, Matt Fulton returned to competition for a, for a hit out, and um, he's obviously he's a great competitor as well and a lovely guy. And he came in fifth, so well done to the top five. So it was awesome. A couple of notable mentions as well, hey? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then, you know, a couple of other things out of that competition. Dean Davis picked up um, in his first competition, second in beef. Um, so well done to him. I think you might be talking about that a bit later. And uh, the noob team. So a team that never competed before. Hawks Bay boys um, locally sourced. So well done to you guys too for coming in. And I know they had a top 10 finish in ribs, I think. Uh, I think they were equal with us actually, equal seventh um, on ribs and obviously put in some other good proteins as well to get themselves the highest newbie team. And yeah, there were a lot of new teams this week. Uh, I think 10 new teams and a team, a field of 40. So it was 40 of, you know, elite, you know the, nearly all the top teams were there. So it was not an easy competition. Um, so, so well done to those guys. Yeah, and then um, I think the other thing, key takeout for me for Smoke on the Coast was that uh, obviously Aber Living were there. Um, 
and they kind of debuted the Bronco Pro, which is the uh, sort of one and a half times the size of the normal one. Uh, bigger cook surface, bright orange, you know, it stuck out brilliantly. Um, had a good poke around that. It's a pretty awesome pit, actually, I have to say. Um, they cooked a, a few things on that. I think they cooked short ribs and some hanging ribs. But, yeah, awesome, awesome kettle. So if you haven't had a look at that, you know, keep an eye out for that. That will be landing, I think, June, July. Um, the other thing that they debuted was quite um, a strange kettle, I guess. It's uh, the Kamado kettle. Um yeah, I mean, it's uh, steel, you know, porcelain enamel coated. So it's sort of, you know, it kind of does everything a kettle does. But yeah, it's like a sort of hybrid kettle Kamado style. But I just thought it was a kettle like a Weber, you know, it would have had vents in it and stuff like that. But when you actually open it up and dig into it, it's lined with fire bricks down the bottom. It's got an ashtray, so all your embers drop into a tray and you just pull that out and empty it. So it's a lot easier to sort of, um, I guess, run than a kettle. You know, it maintains really constant temperatures and it's got quite an unusual shape. So it kind, it's kind of conical and it cones in and then balloons out where the grill is. So you get this nice heat concentration on the bottom of the deflector plate. So it's quite a nice, nicely designed kettle. Um, it's definitely up there in price. It's a premium product. I think they're about 1400 bucks. But yeah, definitely worth a look if you're looking for something that's, you know, a cross between a Kamado and a kettle, it really is that actually, you know, haven't had a good poke around it. I haven't cooked on it yet and um, hope, hope to do that probably in June. I'm going to spend some time with those guys on, on a few different pits, but um, yeah, it looked great. So yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah, it did look interesting. It looked like it was wearing a corset, didn't it? Like, it did, yeah. It's got a, got a skinny waist. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of Victorian looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I did, I do love the color of the Bronco Pro, that orange. It's a beautiful kind of um, sun sunset orange, I'm going to call it. It was awesome. Beautiful mm, looking. Yeah, thing. No, I, I actually didn't expect to like the orange as much as I did, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm. Now, um, moving on. So mailbag, uh, we have a mailbag question and uh, it's quite a fun one. Uh, we do. Uh, and here's the question, and I might answer first because I already know my answer, and then you can answer yours. Uh, sure. If you had to delete one protein from the world, what would it be? So if we if we could get rid of one protein, what would it be? I'll tell you what mine would be. Mine would be tofu. I hate tofu. <laughs> I cannot stand it. It is a protein. It's not an animal protein, but it's a protein. Is it it is. That's I looked it up. A, it's got, a bit of a cop-out answer, mate, to be fair. I looked it up. It's a protein and it is grim and I can happily get rid of tofu from the world because, to be honest, there's not any of the, you know, the major proteins that I would get rid of. Um, so, you know, that, that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stitch you up there and uh, let, you, yeah. let you struggle a bit. Well, if I was going to give a political answer like you i'd say milk because i'm not a massive fan of milk <laughs> and that's a protein oh. but um i'm gonna put my nuts on the block here and say that i would probably get rid of and this is going to offend a lot of people because i know there's a lot of hunters and stuff here and i do love venison but if i had to lose it i probably wouldn't you know i'd be all right with that <laughs> oh, it's dangerous in this country to. I know, to, I know, I know, I know. But you've like, you got to put that into perspective. You know, beef is burgers. It's you know, it's steaks. It's briskets. It's short ribs. You know, like you couldn't get rid of that, right? Chicken, fried chicken. Could you live without that? No, simple as that. <laughs> how, how would you survive a hangover? Um, ribs. 
are ribs, right? Um, pork, every cut, you know, amazing. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Lamb is just one of my favorites. So, yeah, no, it would have to be venison, mate. Uh, well, to, to all the hunters out there, I think I was wrong, obviously, and please don't stop listening. If to anyone us, wanted, but, uh, if, if anyone wants to give me venison, I'll gladly take it and cook it. But. Uh, I don't think it works that way. You can't ditch it and then say, oh, "I'll take your free stuff." That's like, a good question, actually. Who who sent that in? Um, no? That was our friend Johnny Tick. They sent. Oh that. well, so, there we go. Um, yeah, yeah. Fair Let's enough. have some more like that, please. Get 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 more mailbag questions in. We're they're quite fun to answer. That's why mainly. Um, so we'll happily take more of those. Right, um, Noel. Let's have it. Let's have just the tip. Just the tip. Does need a theme. This needs a theme song, doesn't it? It needs a theme song. <laughs> it does need a theme song. I think you should write it and sing it like you did the Christmas yeah. special. Um, so look, the tip this week is is not so much about specific proteins for home cooks. It's more coming off the back of smoke on the coast, um, tasting a lot of food there. You know, a lot of people sort of shoved a rib in my hand or shoved a bit of chicken in my hand and said, taste that. What do you think? Um, I gave quite a few people honest feedback there. If I, you know, I, I sat in a few tents afterwards and sort of deconstructed scores and things like that, you know, and a lot of people fell over on taste. Um and look, distilling what I taste at the comp and talking to people, I think there's a lot of people out there at the moment, particularly new teams who go into this and they cook for themselves and they cook for what they like. I love chili, right? We do a fire dragon chili, you know, um, challenge every week on the show, but it's not necessarily a flavor I would incorporate into comp because not everyone does, you know. Um, I like sweet, but not too much. Um, I like savory. I like tartness, you know, and... I guess the key thing there is that you're cooking for a table of judges who all have very, very different flavor requirements. And the idea with competition barbecue is to offend the least amount of people possible, right? So my tip of the week, if you're new to competition barbecue, is just bear in mind that you need to hit all the high notes of sweet, savory, tartness, um, umami, you know, you have to hit all of those high notes and there needs to be a little bit of heat in it to light it up. And then we go back to the Harry Sue episode. I always refer back to this. There has to be a purple cow. There has to be something that makes it stand out, but it's not an overarching flavor. It's something that should subtly work and balance with everything else. So I actually sat down with one team who shall remain nameless, but there was about 15 different ingredients in their sauce. It's just too much. You know, so start with start with a base sauce, you know, find something store bought. You know, if you're new to barbecue and you're not making sauces all the time, try try something. Just start with something that's really good base flavor of sweet, you know, and then trick that up. You know, add a few ingredients to that, amplify a few things and add to it and just develop that. And, and the other thing is don't change too much. You know, if you've come off the back of the comp, you haven't placed well. You're either overcomplicating things or you need to just go right back to the beginning and simplify and start to build your flavors up one at a time. So I think the tip of the week this week is just remember that you're cooking for six judges and your box doesn't always go to the same table, you know, so you might have six tables of six and you could have six sets of six tasting each of your boxes, right? So you've got to appeal, your flavors have to appeal to all of those guys. So what you like isn't necessarily what everyone else is going to like. So you've got to really work on having a generic, unoffensive flavor profile for your competition barbecue. So that's the tip of the week. 
I think it's a good one, um, and obviously something that we've we've gone through for the last couple of years. And we we always used to talk. Well, somebody said it to us once, and we went, "Yeah, that's how to think of it." You're making the McDonald's of barbecue. It is designed for the most people to come in and get something. It's not going to blow your socks off in a, you know, it's not going to be as good as you cook at home for your mates or you're not going to, it's going to be different and it's competition barbecue and it's its own thing. Um, and it's not the same as at home and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's to a, to a method. And, um, you know, we went through that exact same thing where I think our rib glaze at one point, it would take me like two hours to make it on a Wednesday night. And I'd, be like a crazy professor in a kitchen and I'd have all sorts of things going in there and I'd have like glucose and citric powder and everything, MSG and everything I could think of was going in there and it wasn't hitting and it was because we were just loading so many things. Yeah, it's in too there. much, too much going on. So our, uh, our rib glaze has three ingredients in it now. Yep. That's it. Yep. And I'm not going to tell and you what they are, but no, three ingredients is what, <laughs> is what goes into ours. No. And that's it. And we stripped it right back. There's two other things to add to that. Try not to be drunk when you develop your sauce flavor <laughs> profiles. <laughs> you know, and I, I know this is hard because beers and stuff go hand in hand with barbecue, but there is a reason why judges are instructed not to drink too much because it's not fair to the competitors for their taste buds to be compromised by alcohol, right? So if you're developing your sauces, choose a night where you're not drinking so you actually taste everything that's in them. I think the other thing is prepare all your rubs and your sauces well in advance of the competition, right? So I saw people mixing stuff up at the comp. I saw people trimming at the comp and that sort of stuff. So if you look at the teams that are well-established, all this stuff gets done early in the week, right? The sauces are mixed, the rubs are mixed, everything's in bags, it's ready to go. So it just sort of uncomplicates the process of cooking competition barbecue if you get this stuff done in advance. But develop your sauces without being drunk, test it on lots of people, you know? Test it on people that have sensitivity to chili, they don't really like sweet too much. Test it on all of them, get their feedback and write everything down, every single ingredient to the gram, write it down. Yeah. You're absolutely right with the pre. We we even mix our injections before we go. And yeah. one of the reasons we do that and one of the reasons we only take the rubs that are going on each protein and we only take the sauces pre-mixed and we take the injections pre-mixed. And one of the reasons to do that is to stop me deciding to do something different or to add something because I suddenly think about it on the day. 100%. Because that's, that's when you go wrong. You, Correct. You Plan your cook and cook your plan. Don't Correct. suddenly go, oh, I'm going to chuck like half a thing of garlic in this because I've just suddenly thought of it or I've saw, seen somebody else do it or somebody else has said I'm using kimchi or I'm using whatever and you go, oh, that's a bloody good idea, isn't it? And you're like, no, it's not. It's a terrible idea. Don't mess with your cooks. And for those of you listening to this that might not have listened to the Richard Fergler episode, I'd suggest you do that because he gives some good tips around Absolutely. Not not getting the right scores, you know, and being disappointed after a comp and, and how you handle that as a team and what your process should be. And ultimately, he says, stick to your process because that flavor profile could win at another competition. So don't give up on it so easily. Stick with it if you believe in it, you know, keep going with it, you know. So, yeah, very good episode for the competition, guys. That one and obviously Harry Sue, I always refer back to that one. It was just golden. So, mm. 100%. 100%. Right. Uh, no, who is being anointed with the barbecue Jesus Godfather's porky sword of goodness this week for the cook of the week? Um, yeah, so this week, um, 
cook of the week it's um look the guy the guy's a personal friend of mine okay um i've been speaking to him for what probably three years he's helped me out on a number of different levels with you know my outside interests with the meat mafia and stuff but dean davis um definitely deserves a mention this week um he was super nervous going into smoke on the coast you know he was sponsored into the competition as a south island team that wanted to travel um he traveled on his own he didn't have any of his own equipment um came up did all the trimming on his own did all the cooking on his own i mean literally it was a solo team for his first comp um he had absolutely no expectations of getting any sort of accolade at that comp whatsoever he was just happy to be there and look, I saw the box, um, I tasted it, you know, and he cooked an awesome brisket, which box, yeah. it's his brisket box. Yeah. And look, he placed second for that, you know, so to take out a trophy in, you know, going back to what we said earlier, a team of 40 with all but maybe one or two of the very best teams in New Zealand in that field, plus the 10 new teams, you know, to go in on your own and actually pull a trophy out of the bag in your first comp is crazy crazy achievement you know and yeah dean dean lacks a bit of belief in himself at, at times you know and i'm just super proud that he actually managed to do that so dean well done mate cook of the week um i know we can't see your box and i know i'm not going to be able to share it on barbecue base but trust me it was a great cook so well done dean yeah well done that was awesome right well um this is a huge important topic for us here in new zealand at the moment which is our mental health um, and I think that it's time that we now go and catch up with Luke Sini and Rob Dunn from Movember. So let's get to that. Okay. So this is uh, what we, we, we really thought this was a big, huge, important topic, um, especially in barbecue, and that's our mental health and specifically our male mental health. So apologies to our female listenership. We know we have someone we love having you here, but I guess what we're doing now is focusing a little bit on the male mental health side of things, and that's because we're joined by um, Rob and Luke. So Rob done um very privileged to have him here he's the country manager for new zealand for the movember foundation so they do heaps of great work around the male mental health um side of things and we'll hear a lot more about that but rob welcome to barbecue base thanks for joining us your team thanks for having me here and um we thought you know what better person to bring the barbecue side of things to life than uh you know, somebody you know very well. He's the head of the NZBA, godfather of barbecue in New Zealand. And for many of you, has the job that you'd all like as a senior brand manager for Spirits at Hancock's, which means he's the man in charge of marketing Jack Daniels, which some of you may or may not enjoy from time to time. Luke Sini, welcome back to Barbecue Base, Luke. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Great plug there, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> yes, Appreciate it. We have to get the plug in, don't we? I mean, it's special, special to all of us, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll always get the plug in there. Um, so, look, I think, uh, you know, Rob, as you know, um, we've, we've known each other for a little bit of time now, and for me, Movember is a really special um, organisation and a special uh, charity um, for a number of reasons, and I've been involved in the marketing side of it through um, past lives uh, in, in my agency lives, doing media and advertising and, uh, you know, been part of the campaign, which you'll all remember, encourages us to grow moustaches or in some years body hair in various places if you didn't want to grow a moustache or, you know, it kind of evolves into greatness every year and it does does a brilliant way. It does a brilliant role in the country. But um, I think 
Yeah, first of all, Rob, can you t- let's talk us through how Movember came to be and how we came to have it as such an integral part of our New Zealand calendar as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, the origins of Movember now stretch back, I think, maybe more than 15 years ago, maybe, maybe 16, 17 years ago. Um, group of friends, uh, four Australian guys in sort of the hipster capital of the world in Brunswick, Melbourne, Victoria. Um, and this is, you got to remember, this is sort of 15, 16 years ago. So um, they were at the pub, as, as Australians do in Brunswick, and, and talking about things that have gone out of fashion. Um, running through a number of things, but something they kept hitting on was the moustache. You know, these days, you know, you know, look around, um, you know, this podcast now, facial hair is pretty common, and it's not just common, you know, probably around a barbecue, but even in a workplace or you know, a white-collar environment where it didn't used to be. You know, you see a lot of facial hair now. But back then, it, it absolutely wasn't. And, and ours is very trimmed for, for yeah, barbecue yeah, standards. Yeah. We're quite yeah, uh, tidy, eh? We're quite tidy. Yeah. I know Luke wasn't <laughs> tidy until quite until recently, but even Luke's a lot tidier. But there's a lot of big beards and moustaches in barbecue. Absolutely, you know. And you might have got the old one in the old trendy agency, but for all the, the bankers and the, the insurance agents and all the white-collar lads, you know, it was very much a clean-shaven environment. So, um, you know, the boys particularly then just just to be hard case so it wasn't wasn't for a cause wasn't for anything in particular but just to be hard case one of the, our founders Travis Groney's birthday in November um, and they decided to grow moustaches um, for that um, and they tell no doubt exaggerated stories around um, you know the missus put them on the couch and the boss said you can't come to work looking like that um, but the thing they the thing they realized pretty quickly it was this great conversation starter you know literally everywhere they went people were like you know, why are you growing moustaches? And as I said, they didn't necessarily have a reason, but they decided to have a bit of a look around. And um, you've got to remember back then, there's probably really nothing formalised for men. You know, there's a lot of things for females. There's a lot of things for children. There's a lot of things overseas, water, Africa, kids, you know, etc. cetera, um, you know, that we used to see as younger people on the TV. But there's probably nothing formalised for men. They had a little bit more research, thought that prostate cancer was as big a threat to a male as breast cancer was to a female. And um, with that information, they went to the Prostate Cancer Foundation Australia and said, we think, you know, obviously the moustache is the ultimate male fashion accessory. We'd love to, um, <laughs> you know, do this as a as a fundraiser for you guys. Um, and in their wisdom, they they said, thanks, but no thanks. You guys are a bit weird. You know, we don't believe in, <laughs> in moustache growth as a charity option. And, and um, you know, politely said, no, thank you. And uh, the boys were, you know, they were quite hard case and 30 of them just did it anyway. Um, they raised $50,000 and went back to the Prostate Cancer Foundation at the end of the month and said, we'd still love to, to give you this donation. And um, you know, they said, oh, well, hang on, maybe you guys aren't as... <laughs> no, know. they're not as dumb as you look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. 50 grand will do, yeah, isn't exactly, it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. single biggest donation um, that that organisation had had at the time. Next year they raised 1.2. I think the next year it was 6 or 7. And and I suppose, in essence, Movember was born. And if you fast forward to today, when we sit in the room, it's you know, exists in over 20 countries around the world and, and is, you know, the largest funder of prostate cancer research out of government. Uh, you know, it's funded over 1,300 programs for men focused on prostate cancer, testicular cancer, male mental health and suicide prevention. So in a, in a relatively awesome. short space of time, has grown into, you know, a really significant men's health movement, um, you know, and is, like any organisation like that, has had its, you know, um, forks in the road along the way and... and um, with rapid growth comes some big decisions, but I think we've settled in a in a place where, you know, we're able to help um, 
a heap of guys, which is, you know, very satisfying. So when did, because, you know, I remember when it started as prostate cancer and, you know, testicular cancer was a big thing as well and it, and it really worked through that. But when did when did that switch happen that, because it went quite a definitive switch, certainly here in New Zealand, to, to men's mental health. Like, how did that come about and why did we, we make that switch specifically? Yeah, it's a good question. It's almost, there's two answers really. One is, you know, particularly today, people will say to me, you know, oh, it's fantastic you support male mental health and suicide prevention now. And I'm like, well, actually, I've worked for Movember for 10 years and we always have. So we always have. It's just really in the last, say, two to five or six years that there's been that real acknowledgement within the public that this is an issue of real substance and we need to do something about it. Um, if you go all the way back to when, you know, we did start as an organisation that funded prostate cancer initiatives. Um, and it's it may or may not seem obvious that um, prostate cancer and mental health are natural bedfellows, but that was definitely one of the conclusions that the, the lads came to is actually when you have something happen to you um, physically, you know, that's so substantial, um, like prostate cancer treatment can be, um, it affects, it's right at the core of what it is to be a man really and it affects your mental health. Like one, you just flat out can't do what you used to do. You know, you can't build the deck, you can't take the kids for a bike ride, you can't do all the things that you normally do, you can't exercise, um, you can't, potentially functional work like you normally used to be able to do and that just hits the core of what it is to be a fella but then also impotence and continence you know some of the side effects of prostate cancer you know you can't get a stiffy you know you can't you got to wear a pad you you can't go to the toilet you might have to go to the toilet nine times in the night and a dribble you know so it's all these things and you know almost you know invariably every single bloke who's going through that doesn't really talk about it you know his last thing he wants to do is when he does have the opportunity to catch up with his mates in between treatment is you know how's things going, mate? And oh well, you know, if, uh, you know, it's it's they're not going to say those things around impotence or continence or, yep. or some of those challenges. Um, the old one might, but the majority don't. So, so it was sort of in and around those observations through some of the early prostate cancer um, programs that we funded that we started to see. You know, one actually they do go hand in hand, and that's just told to us repeatedly from men going through cancer treatment. Um, and two the acknowledgement of the issue and perhaps early adopters in that regard. Others would say no, um, but, you know, just seeing that, um, you know, mental health for blokes absolutely was an issue. There absolutely was massive barriers um, to everything, you know. Um, the opportunity and the stigmas around it, just to do anything about it amongst your friends or traditional medical professionals, um, but also just... What does the services look like for a bloke? You know, nothing was nothing was done through a, a gendered lens. You know, it was anything that was done was generic. Um, it was just just you know, it was really looking straight in the face to say this is something we need to prioritise a hell of a lot more. Yeah, because yeah, we have. I mean, we've got a really. It's been a, a little bit of a flying under the radar problem probably until the last few years, right? But we've really got big issues here in this country, um, especially at a teenage boy kind of level you know we've got what are, what are we are we the second or the highest rate of male teen suicide yeah it's the highest rate isn't it yeah I think, so. I think depending on your what 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 metric. study or your what metric has is created but i mean the reality is it's not great you know like that that is for sure i mean i don't like to at times i don't like to drill down into that stuff too much sometimes and and hold new zealand up as an example of of something that's going really really badly um you know, the reality is some of the things that we're tackling here in New Zealand exist in any number of countries around the world. Like that's that's um, 
and any similar country, Western countries are going through similar struggles. Um, you know, there's a number of reasons for that, um, but the reality is, you know, the answer to, you know, the question in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, UK, um, is we need to do more. You know, we absolutely need to do more, and and 100%. some some of the things that are creating the issue are the same across a number of countries, and at times there absolutely are local elements that need to be considered as well. So, um, yeah. Mm. No, I was just going to say, I mean, if you had to sort of summarise the state of mental health in New Zealand at the moment, like how would you summarise that? Where do you think we're at? I'd, I'd summarise it um, probably the main word being complicated. Like, um, it's you know, absolutely... Um, to say mental health in New Zealand or male mental health in New Zealand is crisis, is in crisis is probably a fair statement. Um, but I also balance that by saying, you know, there absolutely is the acknowledgement of the issue. There is probably the one of the biggest changes I've seen in, in the work that I do um, in the last, particularly the last probably two or three years is there's a real desire to help. So people, uh, at, you know, probably four or five years ago, acknowledgement of the issue went through the roof, you know, like, oh, Jesus really is a thing, this really is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is absolutely affecting a number of demographics of New Zealand young men and men throughout the country. Now we're in a stage where people absolutely want to do something about it. They're prioritising, whether it be in a workplace, whether it be government funding, whether it be within schools, like whatever whatever it is. But I think, and at times some people get frustrated that with all that noise and effort and energy that, you know, no one commits suicide anymore or that no one's depressed anymore or that um, no one gets anxious anymore or that no one has self-doubt or or any of the things that make up the, the umbrella term depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just getting started, to be honest, mate. You know, like you, we've been trying to fix cancer for forever, you know, and I know that's more of a physical thing, but we're just getting started, you know. Like there's – we're learning as we go and, and we're having some wins, that's for sure. Um, but – you know, the, the issue is a big one and it is complicated and, and that requires, um, you know, some hard work and you're going to have a few steps back and a few steps forward and you need to be resilient and um, everyone's a little bit different. You know, some people, you know, need a lot of hands-on. Some people need a break. They need space, you know. like So it's, um, you know, it's, it's laid and, 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 but it, and we'll probably get into this, but I, I absolutely believe that we're going to make the biggest impact um, with our own communities, with our own mm. people, with the people who we care most about. Well, you guys can't do it all, right? So no one can. You know, it, it takes doesn't, a village, right? Uh, it takes a village, and 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 as I said, you can we can chat about this stuff, but you could you could throw ten billion dollars at the issue, um, and and there will be elements of that that will really really help. You know, there are services that are one hundred percent under pressure. There are, um, you know, we can still do a hell of a lot of work around mental health literacy. Um, there's there's heaps of things we can mm. do. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, many hands and, and to your comment around a village, like, that does have to be the approach um, to have, to create real significant change. And it's not, it's not just about how do we, you know, tragically say, how do we stop people taking their own lives? It's, it's how do we be a good person? How do we look out for, you know, the people we care most about? How do we live a good life? How do we help? Um, you know, how do we care about others? You know, it's, it's all that stuff and... Um, of course, at times there's there's other issues around domestic violence and alcohol, and um, you know a lot of the financial issues and relationship issues and all the things that come together. Um, but you know, it's it's about knowing ourselves and the people around us as well. Yeah, and I think 
yeah, it's interesting. We talk about that, the village and the community, and we we can come back to some of the 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 actual things that you know you guys are doing for November. But it feels like a good time to sort of at least bring it into barbecue a little bit, right? <laughs> Make sure we we do that because I think one of the things that is really noticeable if you come into the New Zealand barbecue community, um, whether it's through the NZBA page or other pages, or you know just coming along to competitions, and you know we've lost people to to this um you know uh one of our competitors a couple of years ago was was unfortunately in that position and and is not with us anymore which yep. is you know something that we constantly um remember if you if you knew him yeah. um but one of the great things is that you do see the community here rally round people and in general and i think that messaging is starting to get through and there are some specific things that i know um are going on and and helping with people but you know Luke how, what do we what do you guys see as the role of the NZBA in something like this as well uh, that's a good question i mean f- from our side of things we we you know we don't have the history that uh, obviously you guys do at november kind of thing but we we definitely noticed over the last little while that um barbecue is something in this country that brings has always brought people together um but there hasn't really been a community where people have been able to voice their um, their interest in it or their likes and stuff like that. So from our side of things, what we've really tried to nurture in, in the community is a, is a safe space for people to talk or at least get together and communicate. We, we, we don't really tolerate um, negativity. There's so much negativity on, online and in digital space these days and, and, and the way things are, are pushed or portrayed in the media. You know, people like to, to see themselves in a, in a certain lifestyle or, or everything. They want to portray themselves positively the whole time, but the reality is that no one's life is perfect and no one has mm. that kind of, you know, um, Instagrammable life 24-7. So it's it's actually been out there and we, we know we've got a community of people that is made up of all walks of life and we've got people who are recovering alcoholics or drug addicts and that sort of thing and they've discovered barbecue and a, and a, and a nurturing sort of space where they can come out and be themselves and they can openly say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm six months clean or, or um, you know, I haven't had a drink for, for this long and, and, and it's because I've sat down and up with all these guys in the barbecue scene so from our side of things it's more about nurturing that positivity and and not tolerating that kind of negative space that you can have in in, in social space i think the the way that certainly within the nzba site that the negativity is moderated and not tolerated is awesome um i tell you what i've got a challenge for everybody out there because sometimes i do talk to a lot of people and sometimes there are there are people who say do you know what i love looking at everything but I'm kind of afraid to put something up there because everything I see is amazing. And I know we've talked about it before mm, now, like mm. putting up your failures and just going, do you know what? All of us are human, right? I mean, I absolutely murdered a brisket on Saturday or Sunday, sorry, in competition. And yeah, the thing was awful. <laughs> I, I would put a picture up, but we made it look really pretty. I so I don't want to put Would you pi- know that it was a cock up from not that from <laughs> Not from the box. We made the box look great. But I tell you, it was not great once you picked it up and put it in mm. your mouth. So we made it look good. But yeah, you know, we, we are. Yeah, we've been doing that for a number of years now and we stuffed that one and it was just one of those things that just went wrong on us. But And I have plenty of those at home mm. and, you know, none of us are all perfect, but, yeah, we all put up the best picture, right? So mm. put I love, it, I love it when people do put up some failures and say this was a fail because it's really humanising and it just goes, you know what? Like, 
I, can, I know Noel never makes a mistake, but yeah, I make a mistake. <laughs> I've made um, a few. I've made a few. <laughs> yeah, everybody makes those mistakes, and it and it can take that pressure off. So yeah. stick mean, up your mistakes on the NZBA page. Yeah. Let's have a week of mistakes. The point about I think that. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. The theme is mistakes. No, I was yeah. just going to say that. Um, I think. You know, you should absolutely post all your first cooks and stuff because I think the other thing is it is a very safe space and people can help you get better, right? So if, if you can't see what you're doing, then you can't sort of help that person. So 100% believe that they should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, 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 in this day and age, you, you can't avoid those people coming out of the cracks that will, will always throw up comments that you don't really want to see. But mm. but the fact that we have a community that, that doesn't tolerate it, you know, we have a... A moderation team on the on the, on the page that does get rid of things, but ninety percent of the time it's the rest of the community who are who are notifying us when there's something that goes against what the community stands for. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not so much us having to to come down hard. It's these it's a group of people who know what the com- what the what the group stands for, mm. and, um, you know, and helps helps do that, which is which is awesome. Invariably, aren't they like from my experiences anyway? If you work with a lot of people, majority of people are good people. 90, 95%, 99% of people are good people. They're, uh, they're, you know, even more so if you make the effort to ask a couple of questions around what makes them tick or what they're into and show a little bit of interest, then they, they absolutely are. And, um, you know, it sounds like a really simple thing to do, but, you know, invariably just making that small effort really, really helps. And, um, you know, we always said, um, you know, we'll... Always when I talk to sort of larger groups of people, blokes, you know, there's, if you say, you know, would you be there for your mate if you seen a spot of bother? Well, you know, literally every single person in the room puts their hand up and I'm sure it'll be the same within a barbecue community. But then if you say, have you let them know that that's the case? And, you know, almost no one puts their hand up and I suspect that might be the same in a barbecue community 100%. as well. And that's <laughs> one of the things you see, that's one of the ones you see where you, there's, there, you, you notice mental health a lot more, people talking about it a lot more. Yep. But it's the action part of it that yeah. you probably don't see a huge amount. Is that people will yeah. talk about it and say, "I'm here for you," but then it's the actually the yeah the doing part, which is that next step oh. that I think more yeah we, we need to get better at. And a lot of that is it's not um it's not that the people don't want to do the doing part, but they're a little bit intimidated around like what what does that look like? How how do I do that? Like, but also you know almost no one was ever a it, it never. It almost invariably never goes badly, you know. Like if you're prepared to, whatever way it's going, whether you're in a spot of bother and you reach out, or whether you suspect someone might be in a spot of bother and you you offer that 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 leaf of support or that branch, um, in a lot of cases, um, it almost never goes badly. What what it doesn't do is it doesn't fix the problem straight away, and I think that's what um, some people struggle with a little bit. Is like, um, you know, how, how do you really work through a process and and Sometimes that's really simple. It's just the bravery to do it. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because um, you know, I've uh, I guess I was undiagnosed for about twenty five odd years, and then what three two two years ago, I got I got my diagnosis like after a bit of a tough time in various kind of parts of my life, and ended up going to see some counsellors and and after a period of time they were like well let's put you through these tests and they kind of gave me my diagnosis of what I have and I found that incredibly challenging at the beginning to talk about and I think I talked to literally two people about it and one of them was a counsellor and the other was you know the person I wake up to every morning so and 
the one of the best things I did was I just decided there were there were kind of two or three mates that I just told very quietly and I just said to them, look, this is what's going on. I'm you know on this medication, blah blah. And all I want you to do is not I I'm not a I didn't need people to you know constantly be looking out for me or anything like that. But was I said just watch out if you see this type of behaviour coming through, that means that's how it kind of manifests with me. And so that would be great if you give me a tap on the shoulder and go, stop being a dickhead or, or you know, you're getting worked up about this or because that's how it kind of comes through. And then that has then developed into, we just found a rhythm, which is every so often I'll just get a text or I'll get a, a message that just goes, how's it all going at the moment? And I can go, hey, I'm, I'm good at the moment. You know, everything's fine or oh, I've just hit a bit of a, a rut and I've got a couple of other mates now who we have that same thing for and we will catch up and just go for dinner or go for a few beers and just be like, hey, are we all, are we all okay? And you just find that little group. There's only like two or three of us. Yeah. So it's a very private thing, although it's a, a shared thing. And I think all that says to me is everybody out there, you can you can have a... Uh, like a chemical imbalance issue that causes X, Y, Z, and that can be a permanent thing that's with you and that's your thing. Or you know what? You can have a, a depression episode or a, a period in your life where you've got anxiety that might only last three months or six months and you just have to deal with it for that long. And it doesn't, neither of them is, you know, better or worse than the other they just are what they are and the same support gets you through it and just kind of vocalizing stuff and getting through it is actually a really it's a it's a really hard step it's a really hard step because you feel really um oh like everything you said you're, you're kind of everything that we were taught as kids and you know if you grew up in the 70s 80s and stuff like most of us did um, although maybe not Luke, he's a young whippersnapper, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, we, it was all you know the whole you know staunch male chop a tree down, fix a car, you know, do all that kind of stuff. wasn't wasn't your sensitivity kind of piece, but it's you know that has had an effect, and we need to get past that. I think. No, hundred percent agree. And there's, um, you know, there's. Often you hear people say the depression or the black dog doesn't discriminate and sometimes there's people you look at their circumstance and you're like, you're allowed to be depressed, you know, like you've had an environment or a, an upbringing or a, some circumstance where you're like, Jesus, that's challenging. And then for whatever reason, there's someone else who goes through the exactly same set of circumstances and they're able to get through it. And then there's people who look from the, from the outside look successful and, and happy and, and for some reason they're not. And, and the, the reality is to just... Put all that to a side, you know. Don't look, don't look at circumstance. Just know that everyone is susceptible, you know, for whatever reason it may be. Um, and if you find your way, which your way you just described, um, that's the key. You know, you find your way um, because, to your point, you know, so many people in different levels go through this. So I hope we're doing a good job around normalising it, and we're getting a little bit past the number eight warrior attitude and the and the sort of um, not verbalising stuff we, we're getting much much better at it but um just got to keep chipping away yeah exactly and um you know barbecue's a good good outlet for that right because we have 100 heaps of time while we're cooking most of the time 
<laughs> to talk. To talk, right? It's very easy to have a quiet beer with somebody while, you know, your pork's on or your brisket or whatever and just kind of mm. check in on them while everybody else, even if you're at a big event or a party, you know, that while you can always find a quiet five minutes with with a mate if you if you need to. Hundred percent. I mean, um anyway, if you if you have something in common with someone, this is something that's easy to that brings people together. You know. Um food is something that families celebrate together, friends celebrate together and that sort of thing. So if you've got a passion for something it's it's a lot easier to start that conversation and have those conversations with friends, and you do see that when you go to comps from you know from an outsider coming in and and seeing these teams come together and these young guys coming through and and they get welcomed in and you know it's 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 no one's ever outcast, no one's ever pushed aside. Everyone is, is on the same level playing field. Doesn't matter how good you are, um, and and you see some really good conversations. And I've seen some some really good um, groups of friends form over the last three or four mm. years from this community because and these are people who never knew each other beforehand. You know, and it's just this passion of, of cooking or around a fire that's actually brought them together it's yeah. um, got them talking well, and I was thinking about on the way here mate I, I actually think it's one of the best because you know obviously there's the competition side of it which you guys um, are into but, and then there's the social side of it Jeez, the social side of it ticks a heap of boxes around it's a great opportunity for uh, to catch up with people hopefully that you, that you like for a, for a period of time which we don't know enough of um, so often it's obviously a great opportunity for our partners and that to get together at the same time as well, which is awesome. And men need purpose, you know, like the the ability to provide for someone some great food or, a, you know, great hospitality. Even though we don't think about it like that sometimes, we like purpose, you know, like we like um, to have a role um, and it provides that. And I was, I was thinking about on the way here, like talking about any number of things, is actually um, as, as good a platform um, as a mental health intervention mm. You know, as there is. Yeah, 100%. It's not just, like you say, it's not just about being the one who looks out for your mates. It's about finding those little times that are the the little you time, the the me time for guys, right? Or the the me time for anyone who has a, um, you know, a, 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 a dog to deal with. But... Um, you know, that's what we see with barbecue a lot. It's what I like about it is actually time for me to concentrate on something and put some effort into it and and make it what I want it to be. And, you know, personally, I love the fact that most of my things, I'm planning them all the way through the week because, you know, it's, it's a big bit of meat or something. So, or I've got people coming around or whatever. So you, it gives you those little mental releases through the week and then when you're cooking it. And hopefully... Like we say, it doesn't always happen, but hopefully, then you know you get to look like the hero <laughs> at the end of it as well. For me, on a personal level, like when I've got two young kids, so when I when when they started coming on the scene, you know, I used to play a fair bit of sport, and all of a sudden, sport kind of got put to the side because kids, you know, and you don't have the, the hours on the weekend to go and play sport and do all that sort of stuff. So, barbecue kind of filled that hole where you know it's not something you have to go and you know, you're providing for your family, and you're having a meal at the end of it, you know, and and, and you enjoy doing it. With everyone, you're not, you know, so... It's the best hobby to really keep hobby. the missus happy as well. I'm sure at home, right? <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You're oh, tied to a well, pit for 10 hours cooking a brisket. Think about so. it, man. I was like, this is, you guys are really onto something. Yeah. And, like, and it feeds into something Alex would have heard me talk about before, but like, and it's a point you touched on, you know, is when we're young men, whether it's high school, university, um, first jobs, you know, where we congregate. We don't know we're doing it, but we congregate as men, whether it be at work, at the pub, at a sports club. Um, there's all these natural settings we go to, and then exactly to your point, as you either become busier at work, um, get um, into more serious relationships, have children, um, you don't congregate as much. You don't congregate, you don't talk, you don't problem solve, and then for a bloke, um, if you're not doing that that early problem solving, where you so often just 
you perch up after work and you'd be like, God, geez, the boss was a fucking asshole today, you know, and then you'll talk it out with someone in a similar job and you'll find a solution and you'll be able to get on with things. But if you just go home and bottle it up and then actually when you get home, the house is busy and the kids are all going nuts and it all compounds and unfortunately um, you know, men take more drastic action, whereas yeah. our female counterparts are absolutely expert at, as they get older, their group of friends actually get bigger. Ours get smaller. Mm. Female counterparts get bigger because they're just great at um, making the, op- you know, putting the light car on, going down Ponsby Road, having a coffee um, and catching up and they just get on the front foot and talk about everything straight away and problem solve. Um, and that's illustrated in the stat, you know, that um, three out of four people who take their lives are blokes, even though this is the same level of depression for male and female. So it's like, you know, when you strip it all back like that, it's actually... Um oh, and it is. It's, and it's, it's hard for guys to make friends as they get older, especially mm. if you come in from a different environment. You know, I mean, I, when I was younger, I, I moved over here from Australia yeah, and and um, and went down in ski fields and worked in ski fields for a season. Cool. And it was amazing because you made so many friends down there because everyone was travelling. Everyone was in the same boat. No one mm. knew anyone. Everyone was kind of... As soon as they came up to Auckland, it's so hard to break into into groups yeah, because yeah, you just... Yeah. you know Everyone's in their own world. Everyone's grew up with each other. Everyone went to school... Or they, that kind of stuff. So, so you get into this zone where you're like, well, how do you make yeah. friends? And there's there's people who are older than that when I come over here. But but you, you need to have something that has a you almost have a, a like um, purpose or something that you, you you're interested in that, that can bring you together. And and you know I think that's that's an important sort of thing. Otherwise, you know you do end up yep. being isolated and not totally. having not, yep. not actually meeting people or getting out and and making a friend base because it, it is quite difficult to do that. And the older you get, the harder it is to do that as well. Yep. And that's what's been so good to see recently because what I found is barbecue, A, is a great leveller of social status and background and everything. You know, you talked earlier about – and I, I don't know who they are, just, but I'm sure I absolutely believe you that there's a lot of you know, ex-alcoholics or drug addicts or probably got people who have come from various different pasts and leaving different lives behind, reinventing themselves. But, you know, I have my life and my – stuff that I do and my position in society or whatever. But I now have such a wide range of people that I've met. Some are like me, majority aren't. You know, others are people that there's no way I would have met them or had a conversation with them. In normal life. In normal yeah, life. Like we, our paths just would not have crossed. Mm. But they're some of the, you know, they're really different to me, whether up, down, left, right, whatever. But they're... They're some of the most genuine kind of connections that that I have, and you know those are the guys that I see mm. every four weeks or whatever when we when we do a comp, right? So, yeah. I mean, mate, there's only a handful of people I know on the barbecue circuit what they do for a day job, if I'm honest, because it's not about that. Yeah, right. The commonality is the food, you know, and the people, and who you are, not what you do. And I, I love that about the community. I mean, it's um, it's something that I got connected to at a pretty low point in my life, you know, and that got me through. It took me a while, but that that was basically what dragged me back into the real world, you know. So it's a, it's an amazing community. There's a chance to you're a, I may be wrong, but like you're 100 percent be a better person back in your work life because of it. Because yeah. one, you've learned some, you've learned how to you know get along with people who don't look like you or don't sound like you. And you know, we do by nature gravitate to people who look like us and sound like us. So gives you some skills with other people um, and it creates space from work and from other things like we don't we're terrible at creating space you know we're just so good at coming home and then we look at our work phone and, you know phone and we doing the work stuff again and the first thing we do we get up in the morning is we look at our phone and we look at our emails and see what's come in 
and work overnight and we're bang on and we don't create space and that that's male and female but like by like you say the endeavor of barbecue you know you have you have created a new community and you've created space which is really really hard to do yeah it's i mean it's literally that's that's one of the best things about competition for me competition weekend I guarantee you, if you want to get hold of me on a competition weekend, you literally have to walk to our site because my phone is usually, because I don't even take the pictures of our boxes, so I have no reason to have my phone on me. So it just sits at the back of the tent and it's normally on silent and I won't check my emails because I'm busy and I'm in a stressful environment, but it's a fun stress. It's not like a shit stress because it's stomach you want to do. And literally on the weekend side, my wife and my kids there and... They would come back, they go, did you not, like, we've been calling you because, you know, we want to know if you want coffee or whatever or this or that. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, I just, my phone's all the way up there. I don't look at it for, for 48 hours. And it's it's a complete, I'm in that environment. It's liberating, isn't it? It's liberating. <laughs> and I'm in that environment and I don't care what goes on barbecue outside detox. of the site. Barbecue digital detox, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. How good is that, right? Yeah. We should do it. So, Rob, what's um, now? I know there was, there's been some really good stuff in the last sort of twelve to eighteen months that you guys have done, and I think one of the best, if you haven't seen it, I believe it's still on TV and Z on, on demand. I think so. Yep. You should. Like, I, I really encourage everybody to go and watch um, Man Enough, the two part series that was done um, with TV and Z. But just tell us a little bit about that and and what that was there to achieve and and how that came about yeah you know as, as you know better than most Alex you know we fund a, num- a number of initiatives and and we try to be upstream and and give people um, self-care tools uh, one of the things you know perhaps one of the more innovative things we've done uh, was to fund a tv show called man enough it was around it was basically exploring masculinity in New Zealand and it talked about some of those stereotypes that you talked about earlier you know like the foundations of what it is to be New Zealand man, and it, and it does at our origins. It is a lot of that stuff. It is that, you know, that number eight wire attitude, that do it yourself attitude, that, um, you know, the the feeling that you're the rock, you're the problem solver, you provide for everyone else, and and you certainly never show um, any weakness or or the fact that you need help or or um, you know those types of characteristics. So it's a show that looked at that, the origins. Um, it looked at a bunch of different people throughout the country who had had um, their challenges and, and why that was. But also, hopefully, what we tried to achieve with it was to, and this is what I'm really into and what Movember's really into, is we can absolutely focus on the problem and, and it's a big one, um, but how do we fix it? You know, So trying to, to look at those various, you know, whether it's Matt Brown down who's a um, Māori barber down in Christchurch at... Um, know whether it's um, a young girl um, down in central Otago who lost her boyfriend who took his own life who was a shepherd down there completely different environment you know whether it's um, you know someone in Wellington um, a gay man who puts on um, dance classes for people almost as a therapy who had his challenges Matt Chisholm the host himself had his own challenges so you know a variety of different settings but also hopefully throughout the course of the show it explores um, how they came through the other side and what they did um, to get over the challenges that they face and what they still do today. Um, you know, you probably could do another six episodes, you know, but um, I think also what was really, really encouraging about it is to what we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, whether you could have 
made a show and got that show on, on TV1 and TV1 On Demand when I first started working for Movember, I'm not so sure about, you know, but the fact that we are prepared to have that conversation on one of our main media platforms that goes across, you know, so many different dem- demographics of men and women for that matter who are such an important part of male mental health, I think shows progress and 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 that we're prepared to have that conversation and hopefully... If nothing else, the people who watched it um, grabbed one or two key messages out of it that helped them because as we sort of chatted about a little bit, it's like, I'm, I'm keen to help, but what do I do, you know? So if you can see someone that you may um, see a situation that you recognise or you may see someone who's maybe in a, in a similar spot or you see a friend who you think, oh, maybe I recognise some of those traits and characteristics in him, it just maybe arms you with one or two things to go away and and take some action or have a conversation or, or if nothing else, mm. keep an eye out for the triggers in blokes and, and because, you know, one of the things you hear said often is when, you know, people tragically take their own lives or they get into a really, really bad spot is people say, oh, I, I didn't even realise, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know Alex felt that way mm. or, I, you know, I didn't know he was like that. But, but uh, and maybe sometimes that's the case, but in a lot of situations there actually are signs, you know, and you've, you've obviously got a, a process with your mates where they've got three or four key triggers to look out for um, and they know that is the opportunity to sort of, you know, maybe step in and perhaps there's a bit of that with, with a number of us, you know, um, whether it's a change in circumstance, whether it's a change in behaviour, just look for those for those triggers um, and then have yeah, the skills, the bravery, whatever it may be um, to intervene. So, Luke, what do you reckon... What do you reckon? Yeah, you know, after you know, we've listened to all of that and we've kind of thought about that. Like, where where do you th- see the community, the barbecue communities, especially doing stuff really well? And what do you think? Like, are there things that you see that we could do better as a community for each other? Oh, it's a it's a tough a t- a tough <laughs> question, really. Um, I mean, I see. I think you know we're we're good at, at supporting people's passion at the moment. Um, and, and embracing what they're doing, um, I think where we we probably we focus heavily on competition barbecue and those sort of things because that's what originally the NCBA was set up. But as the community grows and there's a lot of people who are more, it's more around a um, a hobby for them and a, and a lifestyle for them. It's it's how do we bring those guys together and how do we actually start embracing um, the community side of things and and, and 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 progress from more than just barbecue competition side of things and have <coughs> events and stuff where we can bring. Um, the public together or this community together to, to, to converse, you know, and we do see that um, a lot of the community come to the competitions and around the events, but, um, you know, we've seen them rally around members who have been sick or who've had issues or they've lost their business and those sort of mm. things, but um, as a whole we don't probably don't really do a lot as a broader community mm. around, uh, around um, mental health or anything, yeah. or any other sort of organisations really. I think it can be something as simple as, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people recently that aren't in the barbecue scene, but they're like, I'd really love to get involved in competition, you know, but I just, I can't do it. And just encourage them to do it. You know, if you've got a team, invite them along as a member, you know, and just say, look, just come and observe, you know, and just get amongst it. And that could be someone that's struggling to find their place, you know, and Mm. they just need a bit of encouragement to sort of get in amongst it. And that could snowball from there you know so i think little things like that um mate going back to your point earlier about you know 
recognising these signals. And if you ask a group of 10 men, would you help a mate out? And nine out of 10 of them would say yes. I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone would not help a mate, but I think the struggle is recognising it and what do you say to someone, you know, because there's people that are glaringly, obviously struggling. How do you initiate that conversation? I mean, I think for the people listening now, if there's one tip that you can give them, they recognise one of their mates is in trouble. What do you think the best way to approach that conversation is? Is there anything that you can sort of leave the guys with, you know, to take away? Yeah, I mean, I think you made a, a couple of great points. I think firstly... To your point, like what you're doing in your first instance you know, could be seen as a mental health tool. Like by creating a, an organisation, a platform, a community or whatever it may be, fellas to come together, like-minded fellas and create space, that in itself is awesome. You know, Landon, you know, to my knowledge, that a few years ago it didn't exist, you know. like mm-hmm. So, and the community's growing and it sounds like, you know, some of the things that you encourage, you know, and how just a really safe place where people just come and, and just fuel what their passion, well, that in itself is awesome, you know, so don't don't ever not think, mm. you know. Um, to your point, um, I think first and foremost, like, you know, I always say um, to, to people, to groups of men at, at work functions, you know, there was 600 people took their lives last year, 450 of those were males. Um, you know, we've had millions of dollars injected by the government, there's X amount of services, what can I do? You know, like when you look at it, at that sort of helicopter view, you're like, oh, that's, how am I going to make a dent in that sort of stuff? Um, but I always say, well, if you focus on the two or three people that mean the most to you, you know, whether it's a family member, whether it's a colleague at work you speak a heap of time with, you know, who you really enjoy his company, whether it's a, a friend, um, whether it's a, a best friend or a groomsman at your wedding that you actually don't see a lot of, which is a standard for guys. So mm. often it's, you know, haven't seen the groomsmen at their wedding for three, six, haven't even talked to them for so long. If we focused our energy, firstly, on knowing those people really well, so what makes them tick, what's their situation, and then two, um, knowing their personality and then being able to react if something changes. So, you know, like, um, if I know Alex really, really well, I know what he's like day to day, I know what he does for a job, I know his circumstance. Um then if something changes, um, I can act. And you act, I, you're probably right, the acting is the toughest part. Mm. Um, I always say, you know, so often you'll just get a one or two word answer, like how do you ask that second question? How do you then follow up a second or third time? You know, that, that absolutely is a skill, but I, I personally think in this example I'm giving, that comes down to that personal relationship. Mm. So the more you know someone, the more you know what's going on, like what they do, their circumstance, the better chance you've got to be able to do something. Mm. Whereas if you're just like, geez, there's Bob, um, you know, he's normally humming on on Sunday afternoons when it's competition judging or whatever the circumstances is. Today's flat as a pancake. Um, but you might not know Bob, you know, you don't might know, but so, you know, if you get along really well, I'm sure go have a word, but you've got a much better chance of having a successful intervention or being mm. a positive in positive person if you know that person like so if we all really focused on those handful of people whether it's your mate you do your competitions with and for some reason he's a bit off color then then there's an opportunity to intervene if it's someone you work with you know sometimes we spend bloody 40 50 hours a week with people we work with Mm. we don't know what they're doing the weekend you know um you know family um relationship stuff you know so it's like that's what i say to people who um you know, are wanting to help or wanting to do something around mental health, particularly blokes, 
um, I say, think about your crew, you know, and and so often you'll challenge someone and say, well, who's the best man at your wedding or who's the groomsman at your wedding? Or, and I go, oh, it was Alex. And I was like, when the last time you rung him? Oh, oh, last year. You know, like, well, the first thing you do is you pick up the phone and, and you, have, you have a chat to the guy who's supposed to be your best mate. <laughs> you know, like, mm. that's a good start because he might have lost his job. He might have been having struggles with his relationship. He might not be playing rugby or cricket or barbecuing anymore because he's broke his leg or, you know, you don't know this stuff because yeah. you haven't talked to your best yeah. mate for six months. And that's... I think that's where, as I said, the issues are really, really complicated and the interventions are different and layered, but at a really high level when you're trying to tell um, things that you think could be really positive at a population level, how, how do we be a good person to the people that matter the most to us, you know, and that's, I, I'm, I, I still don't nail that stuff, you know, even though I talk about it, I still, you know, still, I'll still let time go where I haven't chatted to some of my best mates or there's still times where I, I struggle to really have ask a tough question, you know, and I know someone might be doing it a little bit tough just to really get in there. It's hard, um, but I think it's easier if you do it with people you really care about. Yeah, I think I think if there's probably one thing that we should all take away from this, and hopefully you'll take away from it out there, is you know a little bit of action, a little bit of just it's yeah, jumping yeah. in a bit like you know jump in a competition or jump into putting a first post up on the page or like or whatever guy along sort of thing you know that mm. that stages you know yeah mm. so if we all jump in and sort of just make a little bit of effort it can pay off in spades now i tell you something else that uh mm. takes a bit of action takes a little bit of jumping in mm. and we'll find out a bit more about you in a moment rob because uh we're about to jump in ourselves to Everybody's favourite part of the show, which I don't think you quite appreciated what it was you were getting into when when you came not. into it, because it's time for the Fire Dragon Chilies 10 burning questions. So let's get ourselves set up for that. Yeah. Pretty simple. Right. So we are loaded up. Uh, it's time to get into the hot stuff. Um, Noel and I have certainly got a nice little dollop here of the... Northland produced Fire Dragon Chili's Dragon's Fury, the world's hottest natural hot sauce. So, Rob, um, I hope you like hot. It's got some Reaper in it. So if you've never had a Calif uh, Carolina Reaper before, you're about to. Uh, some Reaper, some Scorpion, some yep. Ghost Pepper. Uh, this is not Boot Jalakias. Yep. And, um, and are we going to make an exception to the drinking rule this week, given what we've got in front of us? I think we're going to say that we can have a little drink first. First? And then, okay, and yeah, then it can yeah. wait for us afterwards because we've been sent up. Now we're going to talk about this in a few weeks because in a couple of weeks we'll bring you our interview with um, one of the South Island's finest, Troy Bilborough, who uh, we caught up with on the weekend, and we talked about this. This is his Mother of Dragons, Spicy Boys Hazy, which um, he makes in very small batches, and each keg that he makes or each barrel or whatever you call it I guess I'm not really a beer maker but um, it's a keg a keg each batch I think it's bigger than a keg though I think he makes multiple you know it's like a big whatever the batch has three kilos of jalapenos in it so you know we, we had a little taste earlier didn't we and you yeah. can definitely taste the jalapeno definitely in it smell them and, and definitely smell taste it. them absolutely but it's really nice but it does have a little bit of a tingle so we'll have a little drink of the tingly beer and then we'll uh, knock the tingly beer Knock the fire dragon back. So hold on. This is good for if you love got misophonia. 
It's definitely got jalapeno there, doesn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Mm, yum, yum. So, cheers. cheers Enjoy. Rob, right we'll see you on the other side. Drop that down. At least you do it too. No stale crackers this week. Hey. No, very good. Uh, fresh out of the box. I ate about eight of them before we started. So, you know, what you'll find, Rob, is that it kind of comes in pretty quick at the start and mm. then just builds. <laughs> for quite a long time. Yeah, no, it's definitely starting. So it's starting. So you're getting a little bit of a. Now we yeah. have a no drinking rule oh, well, until really? the end. Yeah. So no, right? you're not allowed any drinks no until drinks. the end. Really? Well, I really need one. <laughs> well, the, the problem yeah. is the drinks you've got in front of you, beer and water, neither of them actually help anyway. Yeah. In the only fact, thing that helps is milk. And in oh, fact, I'm being kind to you because they, they make it worse, don't they, Noel? Oh, it's a building, isn't it? Yeah, just kind of. It's a bit like having. I always think it's like having a little mini steamroller. That the roller part is full of needles, and it just rolls up and down your tongue. Yeah. How does that work? Just think about it, mate. We've done this twenty-seven times before. Yeah, 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 week yeah. Week I out. mean, there's respect that you obviously do this regularly. <laughs> and sometimes I'm happy to go through this. It's still hot though, right? I mean, I'm still like in a re- reasonable <laughs> amount of pain. I'm just trying not to show it. It's just phenomenal how it builds, yeah. But I should show it because that's showing the vulnerability. So, you know, it's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts. Noel's got his arms crossed. Yep. He's giving himself a little <laughs> hug. I don't know why. It's actually, it actually is affecting me a lot more at the moment. He's giving a little hug. He's had to take his hat, hat off, off again. And he's getting the little cob on. So, Jesus. you know, I think we're just, it's building now. It's good, good flavour, good heat for you, Rob. Escalating, yep, yep, for sure. <laughs> so, as is the octaves of your voice there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick into this, and this is for um, for our regular listeners. We've we've tailored this a bit because we know you're not, you know, as a normal guest would be deep into the barbecue scene. So we've tailored it a little sure. bit, but we've still tried to keep it a bit barbecue. We want to find out <laughs> a bit of barbecue about you. Okay, so um, who does the barbecue in your house? I do. I do. I perhaps I have more advice than maybe a, a real traditional barbecuer, but I but I do do the barbecuing in my house. Excellent. That's good. That's good. I think it's a good thing to have, right? Absolutely, mate. And what's your favourite thing to cook or eat on the barbecue? I've actually been um, trying to get a lot better, and and the thing I've been working on the most over the last few months is actually a lamb rack. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Is because uh, shells. The wife said. When we have people around, she wants something that's quite nice. And um, I was, for a while, I was doing the lamb rack inside and in the oven, and then I thought, hang on a minute. And obviously that's taboo to say that here, but um, but luckily for last, basically since after Christmas, I've taken it outside and I've got used to, not a lot of science, but just got used to the temperature of my Weber and how, you know, trial and error, got it to to the best spot, and now I'm... I'm Comfortable, proud, whatever you want to call it, to host people. Excellent. And yeah, which so it's been, yeah, lamb rack with a bit of um, corn cut in half and sesame oil and a few different bits and pieces. And that's kind of my go to. But that is, it's on a rotation of one. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Very nice. That's all right, though. That's, yeah, yeah, you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Tell you, that is building on me. That now, I've been pretty good the last few weeks. And I must say, last few episodes, I've been pretty good. Different batch to what we last had. Yeah, my tongue's starting to swell up a little bit. So I'm getting a little bit, you know, Chris Eubanksy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, you've just talked about something that's, uh, you know, you've you've got really good. What about fails? Have you had some big fails? Uh, Probably just the standard stuff around, not as much on the. 
on the food side of thing, I mean, I've cooked some some bad food on the barbecues, no doubt about that. There's been some pretty tough steaks and stuff. <laughs> Like there, was some, sure. there was some pretty tough steaks on Saturday night at Smoke on the yeah. Coast as well. So <laughs> you're not in bad company, I'll tell yeah. you that. But yeah. I've just I've done stupid stuff like um, put the hood down, put the heat up a little bit to as I was then I'm gonna come back and clean it all like what's all hot and all this stuff and just forgotten and then come back and the gas is out and the thing's like black on the inside and didn't tell the <laughs> missus that just a shocker and yeah, that's I actually re- you know how you have those moments where you just completely forget and then it, and then you go, boom, oh no. <laughs> and you go hooning out and by the time I got out there, yep. yeah, of course, it was hours later and the, it was a blowout. I set fire to one the other night. <laughs> totally. Master when you're built. multitasking, I hadn't, mate. I hadn't cleaned it out for a few cooks and I ramped it up to 700 to Sarah's steak. Yeah. Just went woof. But they actually can take that. It was quite funny actually. I threw them in there anyway. <laughs> um, so your barbecue, mate, if we were to come to your house now, would it be clean? Do you yep. let it season? No, it would be clean. It would be clean. Nice. Particularly the hot plate and the lid and stuff. Um, the the tray right very now probably could do with a clean, but I'm not. I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, right. not, I'm not. You're bad. in good company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Yeah, cool. That's good. I like a clean barbecue. I'm mm. a, a bit fastidious on that one. Um, so. Now you're in you're in some competition here because we've had chefs on the show, we've had people who've been all over the world, we've had some interesting answers to this. Strangest thing you've ever eaten? I was really lucky when I was a young fellow. Is that lucky in inverted yeah, commas well coming yeah. up here, I think? You say strange or terrible or how you frame it, but like um, I did two trips to Argentina on rugby tours. So, you know, I was pretty naive to the whole world of barbecuing or just how many things you can put on a barbecue or just how much meat compared to anything else you can put on a plate. But I did two trips to Argentina reasonably close to each other. So I got a full education and nah, this stuff's still hot. But there's, um, <laughs> um, That one caught you, didn't it? Yeah, it kind yeah, of yeah, snuck yeah. up and it just kind of hit you. It's almost spat that one inside my mouth. But, uh, but it was more just... It was. I was just shocked and stunned by the fact that there was kidneys and tongues and just every body part, every piece of beef was was on there, being cooked. And then, and then actually, how much I liked it. You know, like I think I put on nine kgs in two weeks or something. So that was the meat and the offal as well, right? In Argentina, like meat and the offal, and, and also yeah. how late they ate, which is what really threw me. Like, like loved. You know, I might not barbecue too much, but I don't mind eating it. Um, but. You know, you didn't actually eat your main until, God, sometimes 11 at the earliest. So, mm. like, you were drinking red wine and beers and then <laughs> and then you'd – and they might bring around, you know, almost like sort of something that almost looked like I could bring the kebab around, you know, like on the skewer and give you a bit of that as a bit of a entree. And then you wouldn't sit down and have full tucker until 11. Mm. And and so you're just going home at 3 in the morning just full of red wine and, and meat just loaded up to here and, and that was actually what – what threw me was just trying to get the body clock into like having a massive meal at that time, whereas I probably have, you know, normally eat earlier than later. So that if threw you, me. Mate, if you do get into barbecue, you'll cook a brisket at some point. And um, I've eaten a lot of briskets at about 11 o'clock at night. I have yeah, to say. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you should just, if you can eat at 11 or 2 in the morning, you should just come to a competition. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of when we live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I when can, we start cooking. Yeah, I can imagine, 100%. Yeah. So, how do you like your steak? Oh, medium rare, pretty traditional. Well, it's a good thing you didn't say well done. I was yeah, worried I had yeah, to kick yeah, you out yeah, and stop yeah, this interview yeah, right no, now. Well, the, the wife's um, 
it works well when I do cook steak because the wife likes it really rare. So it can go early and normally it's good for her. And then um, if it's not quite right, then she's still happy, but it's good for me. Or you go early with the first one, it's normally right for her, and then you quickly go grab my yeah, nice. one. So it works works really well. And like I said, no science. I've just learnt the heat of my barbecue. Your, yeah. your, your wife so far sounds great. She likes a rare steak. She's yeah. making you cook. Stuff on the barbecue and yeah, telling you to go yeah. out and do it. Like, nah, she is. Sounds she's, pretty good so far, mate. She's a good lady, mate. She is. She's a very good lady. I'm here on a Wednesday night, mate, talking to you idiots, eating <laughs> spicy <laughs> stuff and drinking so she is. She's not too bad. Excellent. Okay, now this is a very important question, and we could say it about steak as well. It could be equally applied to steak or barbecue, but is it ever okay to put ketchup on your steak or barbecue? I had... Um, it's not okay to put it on your steak. <laughs> like, it's not. And I learned that the hard way because the old man's, um, you know, he's those, that real standard stuff around. You only flip it once and you never use sauce, mate. And, you know, so he was very much of that line. But I do like sauce, so it goes on goddamn everything else. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. But, um, and then it, going back to the good lady thing, Shells makes pretty good mushroom sauces and different, different other. No need. No need no then. Need. Yeah, exactly. Got to have it on a sausage, though, haven't you? I'll oh, bet sausage. Yeah. Sausage, a, meat, patties. Yeah. You know, if you're making hamburgers for the kids, sausages, but all that sort of stuff, 100%. I still buy Bunning snags, eh? Oh, I do. I'll settle away. I, I don't do. know why I did that. I love them. I, I don't know why I went, oh. I love them. You get there early and you just $2 and you smash a sausage. It's awesome. And, and you feel like a pork flavored beef sausage. Exactly. <laughs> and as a, you feel good because you think you've done something really yeah, good for some organization. You've given back and you've had a dirty yeah, sausage. Yeah. It's awesome. Isn't it? It's like a. Like, it's one um, of the simple pleasures drinking in, in the Kuru Lounge. There's yeah. no bad time for a sausage, exactly. you know, like that's absolutely the way, <laughs> unless exactly. it's the Hart Foundation who are raising money and they just look at you like you'll be back soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that one's got the tick. So, mate, which um side would you choose to eat with barbecue mac and cheese, pickles, or baked beans? Oh, good question. It's a good different. question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite I like different. That one. I like pickles. So I really like pickles. And pickles goes great with brisket and the fatty barbecue. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably have pickles because I yeah. like them, and yeah. also like your meats. The meats the main thing. That's the bulk. That's the big piece. Yep. You know, so put something that adds a bit of flavour, but doesn't doesn't you know mac and cheese is almost that's a whole other feed, eh? I, got, I, I love I pickles. I think I think you chose the right answer. Yeah, I think so. yeah. yeah. I'd be there. I, I would so. go pickles, baked beans, mac and cheese. I do love mm. mac and cheese. I'd go pickles, mac yeah, and cheese, baked beans. Actually. I love baked beans too much, mm. especially cowboy beans. You know all that kind of stuff. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I wouldn't know. I've never been invited around for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just get nervous, don't I? <laughs> um, if you could sit down for a plate of barbecue and talk with anyone, alive or dead, who would that be for you? Alive, it would be someone like Will Ferrell. Um, you just, just people are going to make you laugh. Like when you're not, you know, when you're. It's a great choice. That out, of, out of out of work, you choice. know, when you're not at work or you're not you're doing something like that, you just want people yeah. going to make you smile, make you laugh, and like, yeah. Particularly as a, you know, through those early twenty years when I was a uni student, and we'd watch old school and wedding crashes and all those sort of things. That would be someone I always thought would be a crack up um, to. You know, have around for dinner yeah, or yeah, yeah. spend a bit of time with. He just everything he does makes me laugh, even when he's not trying. Um, what was the other one? Well, it could be alive or dead, so oh, it could just be what, could be Will Ferrell. Or you could have gone. You could go into the. the yeah, I think Will Ferrell, and wanted. then I've got. I've just probably because I've read his book, 
or a couple of books lately. Uh, Obama, which is probably a bit pretty OTT famous. Obama or maybe Matt McConaughey, just because I've found, I've just read a couple of their things, their books lately. It's fascinating, just just Obama, mate. Like there's, you know, like there's no way that a, a African American with a sort of Muslim name had any right to be able to achieve what he did. You know, like it's, when you read about it from the start, it's pretty amazing. And politics aside, you know, like I was, I was just um, when I read the book and got all the detail, like, geez, I'd love to have a, ya- a yarn to you for an hour. Yeah. You know, it'd be 100%. fascinating. You know, the things mm. he'd know. It'd be a good one. So, mate, um, what would your biggest tip for guys um, to do for their mental health or someone else's mental health? You know, if you had to, or, or, the, or their own, could yeah, be their own. own. Well, yeah. I think we've talked but about yeah, what to, to do for away. other people. What, what about what would be their their own mental health? What's a really good tip? Prioritize it. You know, so we we so often prioritize our physical health, whether in whatever way that metastasizes, or gym memberships, or entering into a race, or um, you know, going for a run with a mate in the morning, going for a walk at lunchtime, you know, Alex, go for a coffee walk, a walking meeting. We do that pretty well, actually. Um, when do we really prioritise our mental health? When do we put something in our calendar? When do we diarise um, half an hour break, you know, to do whatever, write down the challenges of my life? Like, when do we ever actually genuinely prioritise it um, in a way that we prioritise other things? You know, where do we create space for our mental health. So that would be my thing is is to prioritise it in the same way that you do other things in your life. So just to normalise the action of, of looking after your mental health. I think that's a great way to, to wrap that up and you can now enjoy some jalapeno beer if oh you want. God. <laughs> or a glass of the water that's next to you yeah, as well. It's yeah, up yeah. to it you. Just I'm going to have some jalapeno beer. just starting to wear off or it just had come down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it does kind of hit you, doesn't it? But um, look, I think... That's quite nice. It is good, isn't it? Yeah. But I think we just want to say, um, Rob Dunn from November, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, been yeah, a, cheers, mate. Been really great to explore that and get through. And Luke, always a pleasure to have you have you stop by and, and see us on Barbecue Base. So thank you also for making the time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been um, been actually awesome listening to Rob talk about. It. So um, mm. you know, I do, do, do appreciate being involved. Nah, thanks, fellas. I was, as always said to Alex, any opportunity to to talk about it and by listening to you guys tonight you've got a very big awesome engaged community like well done um on what's going on and well done and and you know changing topics slightly tonight and and throwing a bit of barbecue in there as well but but talking about mental health hopefully if just one little thing you know sticks for someone then that's that's worth it isn't it absolutely absolutely so thank you very much for joining us um rob where can they find anything on movember online in person etc where would they go if they want they want to find out a bit more? Yeah, mate, Movember.com um, takes you um, to our website. It's a bit of a one-stop shop for either getting involved in Movember, the things that we fund, some of the messages that we talked about tonight. Um, I think it's a good resource. And, and, you know, I think to, to sort of finish on, like so often people sit, you know, don't know what to do. Um, there actually is stuff out there. you just got to have a bit of a look around. So, you know, I think Movember website's a good start for that and, and hopefully points you in the right direction. Awesome. Right, cool. well, as usual, um, if you've got a mailbag question, um, fire those through. Find You can either just DM us on the page or maybe we'll do another post. I think we'll do another post for mailbag questions. How about that? Absolutely. Because um, we've run through some of the ones that we got on the first lot, so I think it's time to pop some more out there. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you want to come and follow us, please do come and follow us, I should say, on uh, Facebook. It's Barbecue Base NZ on Facebook, so come and give us a like there. 
If you want to connect with Noel, it's Meat Mafia Collective on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Dances well as much as you can watch as much of Noel dancing on TikTok as your heart <laughs> desires. I'm sure he's adding to that daily. Daily. <laughs> uh, and if you get really bored, you can keep up with me at Burnt Beginnings Barbecue Team on Facebook and Instagram. So please don't forget, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe, rate, review, hit the like button, do whatever you need to do, whatever the whatever your platform lets you do to pop us further up those charts and keep people out there uh, knowing about us. And thanks for listening to another episode of Barbecue Base. Thank you.